Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiyya ba'da amma ba'd Fa'adhi billahi minash shaytanir rajimi bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim So this is the first ayah of the fourth chose. This is Surah Ala Imran. Surah Ala Imran, verse number 92. So earlier we did in Surah Baqarah, Ayatul Bir. And we explained that Bir means virtue, righteousness, piety. The difference between Bir and Taqwa is that Taqwa is that aspect of virtue and piety that is more related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And bir is that aspect or manifestation of righteousness, piety and virtue which is more related to our behavior with fellow creation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that you will never attain al-bir. It means literally bir will never come into you and come upon you unless and until you all spend from all of those things that you love dearly. So what it means is that when we give charity, we have to give of those things that we love. When we give of our time, we have to give of what we love. When we give of ourselves, we have to sacrifice from things that we love. And that anything whatsoever that you spend, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing about it. So this is an aspect. Uh, so this is another aspect for us to do charity in Ramadan. Many times people in charity, and that's acceptable, they give their leftovers, they give their surplus, they give the sweater they don't like anymore, they give the shoes they don't wear anymore, etc. That is still fine and that can benefit the poor. But then there's a higher level of charity which is to give from those things that you love. Now, I'm not saying you necessarily have to give away your favorite sweater and the shoes that are most comfortable, but it means to give something of what you love. And that can also mean time and effort it's not just about money and property. Move down to verse number 95. Qul proclaim to them Nabi Kareem sallallahu alaihi wasallam that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoken the truth. So you know you may have heard this many times when people recite Quran al-Kareem sometimes they end by saying Sadaqallahu al-Azim so this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself proclaimed revealed in Quran al-Kareem and told the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to proclaim this Sadaqallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoken the truth now what does this mean All the, if anyone has Iman and you believe in Quran you believe it to be true but it's important to keep doing tasdeeq this is very important just like we say Bismillah Alhamdulillah La ilaha illallah Inna lillah La hawla wa la quwata la billah this phrase is also Sadaqallah wa Sadaqal Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sadaqallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala wa Sadaqal Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this should also be a sentence and words that are frequently on our tongues Fattabi'u millati Ibrahima Hanifa. So inshallah later we're going to be talking about the different du'as of Nabi Ibn al-Islam. Here, if you remember the context, and again I remind you that we are doing selected verses and skipping some verses 
only because we're doing a khulasa or a short uh, summary of the key contents of the juz and it's hoped and expected either before this or after this you would read and understand the commentary on your own uh, under the guidance of ulama of the whole passages alright so this was the passage coming about the if you remember from yesterday that the Jews and the Christians were both claiming to be the true followers of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam Allah subhanahu ta'ala then revealed in the Quran then how can either of you claim that because Nabi Ibrahim he came before even the Torah and the Injil were revealed and who is more right and who has precedence and priority to be viewed as his followers that was the Prophet and this Ummah and a similar thing is coming here again and now Allah is actually telling Sayyidina Rasulullah and all the believers that we should follow so the word Allah does not use the deen because we're following deen Islam deen that was brought in Quran, deen was brought by Mustafa but Milla. So Milla means like you can it's it's very hard to find one word in English to explain this. Milla means that human cultural civilization, that human understanding of what it means to be human. That way of life, that's called a milla. Sometimes later milla was used for religious communities, right? Uh, when it went by that, it didn't mean their aqaid or their creed or their tenets of belief or their theologies. What it meant was their manners of life, their cultural norms, their civilizational trends, their understanding of humanity. So Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, obviously because he was a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he had the pure, true understanding of humanity. And this is what is mentioned by Hanifa. So Hanifa can be called innately, purely true, correct, upright, pure, right? And again, Allah SWT says it was not from those who made shirk. Then, immediately related to Ibrahim salam, although the story isn't going to come right now, but is that Ibrahim salam rebuilt the Kaaba after Adam salam. Inna awwala baytin lil-alamin. That indeed the very first place, bait, home, house, abode of worship that was placed and established linas for all of humanity. Laladhi bi Bakata is indeed the one that is in Bakka. So Bakka was actually the early name of Makkamakarama. So it means here in other words Makkamakarama. Alright? And then the sponsor is Mubaraka. So full of baraka full of barakat and one aspect of baraka is that baraka because baraka is something that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so baraka is unfading is permanent is perpetual so it's not just the establishment the wada of Baytullah was an act of baraka baraka itself is qa'im bil baraka is established and attached and linked with baraka Baytullah is the means of spreading baraka and it's also a source of guidance for all of the alamin. Now what does this mean? The bait itself, no, the bait itself is physically made of brick, right? But the fact that the Baytullah Kaaba Sharif gives us a jihad, a direction, a focal point to which we turn in our salah and we glorify in sujood the azmat and magnificence and magnitude of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
That is why it is a source of guidance for humanity. And because it is also an established way of how we will make tawaf, insha'Allah ta'ala, and how we will worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is established the ultimate guidance about the ultimate act of worship. Sujood and salah is done in that direction, and tawaf is done around it. Alright? And this, now the barakah and the guidance of the alamin for the human creation, for the jinn creation, for the firmaments, for the strata, for the earth, for every aspect of Allah subhanahu wa creation. Fihi ayatum bayyinat. And in Makkah Mukarramah, in Baytullah, in the sacred precincts of the Al-Haram Sharif, are clear and manifest signs such as Maqamu Ibrahim, the standing place of Nabi Ibrahim salam, where he stood and he uh, placed the stones and tried to erect uh, when he was constructing, reconstructing Kaaba. And Alhamdulillah. Most of us may have been blessed by Allah Ta'ala to go. May Allah Ta'ala take each and every one of us there over and over again. You would have seen this Maqam Ibrahim. And you would also know that we pray two rakats of extra, uh, of, you know, tawaf, uh, mandatory uh, to pray after completing a tawaf in ideally near or behind in the direction facing the Kaaba but behind Maqam Ibrahim and this is also something you know that is worthwhile thinking about that the Anbiya maybe not every human being is like that but the Anbiya are worthy that their places where they set their feet their resting places are to be remembered are to be preserved are to be known have and because their ayat bayanat, their clear and manifest signs, and they're part of the barakah of that place. And the next thing Allah Subhanahu will say about Kaaba, وَمَنْ دَخَلَهُ كَانَ amina, And whomsoever enters the sacred precincts of Al-Haram Sharif is amina, is in a state of aman, in security, in sanctity, in safety. And this is part of the sort of what they, this is this notion of the hurma, the inviolable sanctity of uh, Baytullah and its surroundings. All right. Then the ayah here will continue about talking about Hajj and Umrah. Now move uh, Hajj. Go to verse 101. Uh, towards the end, Allah Subhanahu says, well, the end of verse 101, So, Soon after this, in another couple of ayahs, Allah Subhanahu is going to say in 103, So hold steadfast and firmly to the rope of Allah Subhanahu But here, uh, Allah Subhanahu is making it clear that the rope is just a metaphor. Actually, what you're doing is you're actually holding fast to Allah Subhanahu So in 101, what is the word? There's no word habl here. billahi. He, any and every such person whomsoever holds steadfast and grasps firmly the path leading to Allah Ta'ala, their iman in Allah Ta'ala, their yaqeen in Allah Ta'ala, their tawakkal in Allah Ta'ala, fakad hudiya. Indeed, surely such a person has been guided ila siratim mustaqim to the straight path. And we all know about siratim mustaqim. 
right? So one of the key things about Surat al-Mustaqim is that it leads uh, to travel and traverse the straight path. You must hold steadfast to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 1 or 2, a very often recited ayah of Quran al-Kareem because it's part of the khutbah uh, that some people recite. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amunutakullaha haqqa tukatihi wa la tumutunna illa wa antum muslimun. That all you have iman, all you have adopted and professed iman, ittakullah, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be wary of Allah ta'ala, be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, haqqa tukati, as is Allah subhanahu wa right that he should be feared, that he should always be in our awareness and in our consciousness. Wala and never ever let yourself die. Illa except wa antum that you are in a state, a hal, of being Muslimun, those who have submitted to Allah Ta'ala entirely on the path of Deen Islam. So the ayah begins with Iman, Alladina Amanu ends as Muslimun. And how do you make that journey from Iman, belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to absolute submission? You make it through taqwa. And so taqwa is the is what enables us to obey and submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those people who have, have Iman but they have a lapse in taqwa those people who have iman and have a lapse in their taqwa, they will have a lapse in their submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can we assess our taqwa? Because again, Ramadan is about la'alakum tattakul. So we will assess our taqwa by looking to what extent we submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not just on our belief, or our love, or our feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it would be based on our obedience and submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, that okay, if you have iman, then complete the journey. Don't just count on this, that you will die only on your iman. Complete the journey, have taqwa, so that you don't die, except in a state that you are in a state of submission to Allah ta'ala, and obedience to Allah ta'ala, on the path of deen of Islam. Then in verse 103, Allah says, And now hold steadfast to the quote-unquote rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jami'ah, all together. And do not let yourself be split and divided into factions. Do not yourself, let yourself be split and divided into factions. So Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in a hadith that the Qur'an is the habl. The Qur'an is the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So the, the more we hold fast to Qur'an, Kitabullah, we are holding fast to the Kalamullah, we will be holding fast to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this concept of don't split up and let yourself divided and be divided into factions is very important to understand what this means. Tafarruqa means that don't let yourself become divided into firqa. Firqa means a creed, a difference in belief. So the different, you know, methodologies of tafsir or different methodologies of hadith evaluation and criticism or the different methodologies of legal uh, epistemology and jurisprudence in Islam such as Hanafi, Maliki, Shafi, Anbali that's not the farruqa because that's not a firqa. Firqa means to have a separate 
creed, a separate set of beliefs, to have invent some doctrine of imama, to have some new doctrine or belief about nubuwa. Right? That's a firqa. So this is what and this is something that happened to the previous communities of the Ahlul Kitab of the Jews and Christians. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying is do not let yourself be divided in the theology. And this is why the ulama of the early three cent for early generations, and you can say the first three centuries of Islam, they worked very hard to repel different theological schisms that took place at that time. Right? Okay, now move to verse uh, 104. And let there be from amongst you, so amongst the whole Ummah of Deen of Islam, let there be an Ummah, a mini Ummah, a, a particular group, that yad'una ilal khairi, that they invite humanity, what is khair, what is pure, what is noble, what is virtue, what is good for them as well. Secondly, وَيَعْمَنُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And they enjoin that which any and every human being, remember I explained to you ma'roof already, what any and every human being would understand to be the intrinsic, innate, universal goodness and fairness and equity and justice. وَيَنْحَوْنَ عَنَ munkar, And they should prevent people, they should forbid people, they should call people away. Right? Anil Munkar from that which has been repudiated and rejected and established as batil and false, simply speaking the wrong. But Ulaika and and this group who will do these three things they are the ones who will have falah, who will have everlasting success. So a very important thing we learn from this ayah because other places, Amr bil Maruf and Nahl Munkar come separately. Just to two. But here Allah Ta'ala prefaces it with da'wah. Yad'una ilal khair. So first it takes a lot of effort on da'wah. And according to different verses that Allah Ta'ala mentioned that you must do da'wah with hikmah, with basira, with wisdom, with insight, with you know, with humility, with love, etc. And only when there is that mass da'wah effort, that mass awareness, then you can do this step of Ya'maruna bil marufi wa yanhauna al munkar. And this is very important even in today's time when we're trying to bring people deeper on deen, closer on deen. It's not you immediately go to the do's and don'ts. You have to do that immediately to whatever extent the da'wah and awareness has been created in them. And as the da'wah and awareness increases, you will increase explaining to them the do's and the don'ts. But there has to be that da'wah effort first. This notion of Amr bil Maruf and Nahin al Munkar, it's going to come again in another ayah. I'll explain a little bit more about that there. The key thing about this ayah is the word Dawah comes first. Okay, then in verse 106, Allah SWT mentions something that some people. I wouldn't say misunderstand, but because they translate it literally, it gives a slightly wrong impression. So I want to explain. On that day means the day of judgment. Some faces, now I'm going to translate this. Some faces will be illuminated with the radiance of spiritual nur. 
and some places, some faces of human beings will be radiated with spiritual nur, and some faces will be absolutely dereft and void, like a black hole of nur. And the reason I'm saying this is because when people translate these things literally, and I remember once I was sitting in an alam who I'm very fond of and respect, he was giving a dars of Quran and he also translated it literally. And there were some African brothers present and they were getting a bit, you know, because they didn't understand. that. So people when they translate literally say, on that day some faces will be white and some will become black. No, it has nothing to do with the skin color, nothing to do with the pigment. I'll give you an example. Let's take physical light and absence of light. So whether a person is the fairest or whitest in their complexion, which is not in any sense more beautiful, or someone is the darkest of skin complexion, which is not in any sense less beautiful, both of them are sitting in a room and I flood it with light. The nur, the luminosity of that physical light will overwhelm both of them. And if I turn the light off and leave them in pitch darkness, the pitch darkness will overwhelm both of them. So this is what Allah SWT is talking about, is a spiritual nur has nothing to do with the facial complexion. So when they say white and black, sometimes it seems, it's a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand and share Quran in a way where we try our best to anticipate any such misinterpretations and explain it in a way that repels any such misinterpretation. So it's nothing to do with skin color. It's not that the evil people, their faces will become, their skin of their faces will become black. And the pure people, they will become you know, whiteies on the Day of Judgment. That's not what it means. Alright? Alright. Then verse 108, general teaching about Quran al-Karim. Tilka ayatullahi natluha alayka bilhaq. These are the verses of scriptural revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala says that I, Allah ta'ala, in my might and majesty, in my essence, in my attributes, and all of my sha'an, am reciting it alayka upon you, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bilhaqqi, in truth. And there's another thing, if you've been listening for the past few days, and I want to exp- explain this clearly, Clearly, people also don't, because the English, it just says you. You singular, ka means you, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And you plural, alaykum, can mean you, all of you, all believers, all insan, all of humanity, depending on the context. But in English, they just write you. And so people, many times people, even who have read Quran and understood Quran, studied Quran, it's lost on them if they don't take care of learning basic Quranic Arabic, that when does you specifically mean you is addressed to singularly Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as in the case of this ayah right, I actually saw one English translation I remember where he actually tried uh, using superscripts to try to explain uh, when you is singular and one was plural Khair now 110 Kuntum, so this is plural Kuntum, all of you believers are Khair Ummatin that you are the best Ummah the best Ummah that has ever been raised forth for the sake of the benefit of humanity alright so you enjoy that which is and I've explained this before so here the da'wah part isn't there and interestingly and it says 
So it's not obviously you'd have to have Iman first before you did Amr bin Maruf and Nana Munkar. It means you do Amr bin Maruf and Nana Munkar all the while in the hal, in the state, in the condition, due to the fact that you are deep believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Amr bin Maruf and Nahina Munkar, Sayyidina Rasulullah in a very well known hadith, explained. And this is a hadith that, for example, is in the Sahih of Muslim Allah, that whoever sees a munkar, so I'm, I'm talking about this nine munkar aspect, but should try to prevent it with action. So when the Prophet says with yad, it doesn't necessarily, yad people again misunderstand physical violence, not, not necessarily. It means through action, alright? Through action. Secondly, if they're unable to do this, and those are the words of the Prophet Some explains in the Prophet If the believer is unable to prevent it with action, that action may be outright jihad to, you know, to repel the tyrannical injustice and oppression. That action, there are many forms in which action can take place. Right? Noble, virtuous, legitimate, fair, equitable, permissible action. Second, if they're unable, if the believer is unable to do nahi of that munkar through action, then they should try to stop it with their tongue. So again, by tongue, it means through words, through voice. So the first is action and deeds, maybe even be passing legislation. That's also an action, right? First is through actions, second is through words. If they cannot even do that, if the believer is unable even to do that, then in their heart, in their qalb, they should always be sure to consider the munkar, to view the munkar, to deem the munkar as a munkar. They should consider it an evil within their heart. And then Nabi Akrim said that this is the weakest level of iman. It doesn't mean the person's weak, it's because of circumstances that they cannot use action for justice and they cannot even speak out for justice. But what Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was that if you end up on this third thing it's the weakest level of Iman. It's the weakest aspect of Iman. And you know most of the Muslim Ummah in most of the world today is actually on this third level. In fact many of us we've become numb and desensitized to sin. We don't even have karaha or dislike or repugnance for those things in our heart anymore. And that's a very dangerous thing. That means we'll be even lower or we would have even lost the lowest level of Iman. So actions, words, or at least an epistemology, a knowledge, an outlook, a feeling, a rendering, a deeming. Alright. Now obviously, you will also have seen in both verses that the Amr bil Maruf comes before the Nahnil Munkar. So actually, the first thing that will help a person stay from evil is Dawah. Being invited to Allah Ta'ala, love for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Right? The second thing that will help them is the more and more op- opportunities of good are created for them. So when they have maximum dawah on them and maximum opportunities of virtue, piety, righteousness, nobility, beauty, excellence, maruf was given to them and they were encouraged to do it. And if they still are on sin, then comes the phase of nahin al-munkar. Alright? So there's a process and there's a mechanism through which these things happen in our deen. Alright, now we move forward to verse 113. Here, now, in between, just so you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about the historical 
Jews and community. So I, I repeat this again. Not everywhere, but in this, in some passages, and I'll highlight you where that is. In these verses, 111, 112, uh, 113, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically talking about the historical Jewish and Christian communities living at the time of the Prophet Muhammad at their time. And it mentioned the coming of another Prophet. And the Jews were in fact in waiting in anticipation for it. But they denied Sayyidina Rasulullah anyway. It's very different from the Jews and Christians of today who don't have that certainty of the reality of the Prophet Muhammad But even at that time, in verse 113, Allah mentions, That look, not all of the people of the Ahl Kitab are the same. In fact, from amongst them, there's an ummah, there's a group, there's a segment of them. Qa'imatun, they stand and they recite the verses of scriptural revelation revealed by Allah subhanahu wa during the hours of the night. And they make sajda and they prostrate. I mean, this is, this is like a tahajjud, right? Yu'minuna billahi and Allah Ta'ala is attesting and verifying that they do believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they believe in the last day and in the final day, the day of judgment. And they do the same thing. They enjoin that which is noble and that which is good. And they uh, repudiate and forbid and call away from that which is munkar that which is repugnant and disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they hasten to strive, they strive and strive and strive to do khairat, good deeds, acts of virtue, acts of nobility. And indeed those, that ummah, that segment, those people from the Ahl Kitab are from the Salihin. They're from the righteous and pious people. So some of the ulama of tafsir say that this is referring to those Jews and Christians before the coming of Sayyidina Rasulullah who were righteous, virtuous, pious members of their religious communities. Second, some ulama of tafsir say that this is referring to those Jews and Christians who accepted Islam and accepted Iman and actually now they the reason why they're being described like this is that they they are from the Ahli Kitab in terms of their original Milla, in terms of the religious community that they were born into, but now they have accepted the Deen of Islam and now they are practicing all these teachings of Ibadat and Khirat and Dawah uh, that the Deen of Islam teaches. All right, and both meanings uh, can be taken, uh, both interpretations or tafsirs uh, can be taken simultaneously. And finally, Al-Spantal says about them, وَمَا يَفْعَلُوا مِنْ خَيْرٍ And any and every single thing that they do from their virtue and khair, فَلَنْ يُكْفَرُوهُ They will not be denied it in any sense. وَاللَّهُ أَلِيمٌ بِالْمُتَّقِينَ Indeed, Allah Subhanahu is all-knowing about the people of taqwa. Right, verses 118 to verses 120. 
and I'm not going to go into the detail of the historical of who they are, uh, but it is verses talking about non-believers, but it's going to talk about these certain non-believers who have a hatred. And I want to talk about these verses because they reveal Allah Ta'ala is teaching us in His infinite wisdom what hatred is, what are the symptoms of hatred, what, what happens to people when they feel hatred. Alright? So this is 118 to 120. So I'm going to start a little bit in the middle of 118. So Allah subhanahu wa says, قَدْ بَدَتِ الْبَغْضَاءُ مِنْ أَفْوَاهِهِمْ That indeed, baghda, hostility, hatred, enmity, animosity, badat has become apparent, min afwahim from their mouths. In other words, that they are now saying words of spite, of hatred, of enmity. وَمَا تُخْفِي صُدُورُهُمْ أَكْبَرُ and even greater is the hate that they conceal in their hearts. So anytime you see somebody doing hate speech or racist speech, know that what's in their heart, the feeling in their heart is even more foul, more evil, more abominable than the words they're saying. If there's anybody who has hostility or enmity or slander or hatred or malice or spite, and they say or write any such words, know that in their heart, in their breast, is something akbar, is feelings of evil even more than that. So this is an aspect of what happens when people hate. Now the interesting thing, now if you go to 119, what was the feeling of the believers? What was the feeling of the believers? The mu'minun? So they're so sweet. Ha antum ula'ituhibbunahum. Although you are those, you love them. You have muhammad for them. You love them maybe because they're your kin, because they're your friends, because they were your associates, because they were your colleagues, because they were your neighbors. You, you actually love them. Allah Akbar Kabira. So Allah subhanahu wa is describing who? The believers. And they love them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala But you should know that they do not love you. You are the ones who love them, but know that they are the ones who have no love for you whatsoever. And this happens many times. That you can love someone and they will have malice and spite and hatred for you. But you don't realize it. In the, in the now Allah is using a different way. Okay, if you cannot understand their malice, spite and hatred, understand this. They have no love for you. وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْكِتَابِ كُلِّهِ And you, O believers, you believe in the Qur'an بِالْكِتَابِ كُلِّهِ All of it. And that's because the Ahl Kitab were believing in those aspects of Qur'an that talked about them positively. Right? That yes, Ibrahim is a prophet, Musa is a prophet, Ibrahim is a prophet, etc. etc. But they weren't believing in the things that talk about Sayyidina Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Deen of Islam, etc. وَإِذَا لَقُوكُمْ And when they come and meet you, قَالُوا They say, آمَنَّا They say, we believe. Meaning, we believe in Islam. وَإِذَا خَلَوْ However, when they are alone, أَلْذُوا عَلَيْكُمُ الْأَنَامِلَ Literally means, they bite their fingertips in spite at you. مِنَ الْغَيْذِ Due to their rage that they feel towards you. قُلْ 
So what you should say to such people who have so much hatred, die, let, you, let, let yourself die in your rage. Allah is all-knowing about what is in the people's breasts. Alright? Then Allah mentions the second thing about them. And yet another thing about them, the people of spite, in tamsaskum hasanatun, tasuhum, that if any hasan, any good, any virtue, any beauty, any excellence, any goodness comes to you, even lightly, tamsas is from mas, even lightly touches you, tasuhum, it grieves them, it disturbs them. Wa in tusibkum sayyatun, and if any misfortune strikes you, Yafrahu biha, they become, they rejoice, they become delighted, they become overjoyed by it. This is their type of hatred. So anything good happens to you, it, it drives them wild. And if anything bad happens to you, they're overjoyed. So what should you do with such people? So look at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran al-Kareem. Wa in tasbiru, you should just have sabr. وَتَتَّقُوا An increase in your taqwa for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala لَا يَذُرُّكُمْ كَيْدُهُمْ All of their plotting and planning will not be able to harm you in the slightest at all not. إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِمَا يَأْمَلُونَ مُحِيطٌ And indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-encompassing and surrounding all of the things that they are trying to do. Right? This is a very important passage. Point verse Surah Al Imran, Surah 3, verse 118 to 120. Alright. Now, in 123, 124, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, in 125, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the battle of Badr and then how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped with angels and this can still happen. And Allah Ta'ala can help with angels with ulama have said that the angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down the 3,000 angels that are mentioned here, that the 3,000 angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down at Badr, they never gone back up. They actually remained on earth, and if there's anyone who ever brings, not exactly, but the close resemblance of the Iman and and then in any way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the next ayah says, Allah can even send 5,000. And the ones who are, are marked. Alright? Okay. Here. Verse 132 onwards. Verse 132, Allah says, Allah So you should follow, obey, sorry, not follow, obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the Messenger, وسلم, so that Rahmah may overwhelm you. So that Allah Ta'ala's mercy will overwhelm you. So it means that the more and more we obey Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, the more He will send His mercy, His fuzzle, His karam upon us. And all of you, plural believers, should hasten towards the forgiveness that has been prepared and is awaiting you, min rabbikum, from your Rabb. And a Jannah, that the breadth and width, the span of that Jannah, is the entire known physical universe. That's what I'm going to translate it for you. The Samawat, again, I have explained to you, is all the upward and spiraling outward strata of the known physical realm and ard is the ard is the earth so it means that the simplest jannah 
It spans the entire universe. Allah Akbar Can you imagine that? Hmm? And it has been prepared by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala since past eternity. Lil muttaqeen for the pious. Yani Allah Ta'ala Himself in His irada since past eternity. Jannah was created at a point in time. It's not pre-eternal. Only Allah Ta'ala is pre-eternal. It has been prepared for a long time by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for the muttaqeen. In other words, Allah Ta'ala prepared Jannah for muttaqeen and then asked Adam Islam and Hawa to live there like we did in Surah Baqarah. But what is Jannah? The Jannah is the place, the abode of the muttaqeen. So now these next few verses are very important. And obviously there are many verses in Quran and many ahadith that talk about who are the people of taqwa. But these next few verses means up to and including uh, verse 136 is an explanation of who are these muttaqeen for whom Jannah has been prepared. Number one. الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ فِي الصَّرَّاءِ وَالضَّرَّاءِ That they are those who spend for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, for the deen of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, in the path of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, when they are in a state of financial ease and have surplus, وَالضَّرَّاءِ And even when they are in a state of financial hardship and they are in a state of difficulty. Alright? Now obviously yes they may give more when they have more and they may give less when they have less but this is their attribute. This is their attribute. So even a poor person who gives a penny and maybe a rich person may have to give thousands uh, to feel to, to get that same level of ikhlas and that same level of sincerity. So again look the first definition of the people of taqwa is what what we, what we did in the beginning. Lantanal birra. Right, so sometimes taqwa and bear are both referring to our relations with creation. Because you remember the very first ayah we did of this juz was that bear virtue will not overcome you until you spend from that which you love. Alright? Second attribute, well kadimin al and they swallow their anger. So here, before Allah was talking about what the ghaid of the Enemies and their enmity and hostility, and Allah said, "Tell them they should just let your let yourself die, mutu, just die in your anger." So Allah is reminding us here then that we can't have any of this. After censuring such hostility and malice, so here Allah is telling us that who are the mutakin? The mutakin are the ones who don't have this. If they have it, they restrain it, they swallow it, they suppress it. Well, kadimin al literally they swallow it, and they don't allow it to come out, they don't vent it, they don't explode, they don't act upon it, they make decisions on it, they don't spoil their relations become because of it, they don't have hostility and enmity towards other people because of it. Third attribute of the muttaqin, وَالْآفِينَ عَنِ النَّاسِ And they pardon people, they forgive people. means they pardon and forgive people who did wrongdoing, oppression, injustice to them. Maybe somebody hurt them, slandered them, backbited them, oppressed them, tricked them, deceived them, deluded them. They are those who pardon all the people. Now, for a person who has these three, they're not just muttaqeen, but they're actually wallahu yuhimbul muhsideen. So taqwa and ahsan. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the muhsineen, those believers who, who are means of the creation of virtue and beauty and excellence in this world. Then there's another definition of who are the muttaqeen. So next ayah is also connected to Uiddat al-muttaqeen. 
And this is a beautiful thing because it shows you that even a sinner can become from the muttaqin. وَالَّذِينَ إِذَا فَعَلُوا فَاهِشَ Right? And those who any time and every time they commit a fahisha, an immoral, impure, shameless act of sin. Oh, or or they wrong themselves in some other way. So fahisha is a particular class of sin which is a violation of our modesty and chastity. Or or they commit any other type of sin. What do they do? Muttaqeen, what do they do? Or what do mu'mineen who do this, how do they become mu'mineen? So the mu'mineen who commit a shameless act or sin, Zakarullah, they remember Allah. This is why these mashayikh, they teach zikr here so much. The first thing that an ordinary believer who does sin has to do to become the muttaqeen. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the greatest teaching for you and me. We are ordinary believers who sin, who want to be muttaqeen. This is why we show up in Ramadan. This is why we fast in Ramadan. This is why we pray Salah. So if there's an eye on Quran that's telling exactly this, what do the believers who sin, what should they do in order to become muttaqeen? Which muttaqeen? The muttaqeen for whom Jannat has been prepared by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What should they do? Zakarullah. First thing, they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because then they remember Allah ta'ala, they remember His azmat, His magnificence, His greatness, they remember His mercy on them, they remember His karam and fazl, His favors upon them. So what do they do? They seek the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of their sins. Okay, now the question: What what, what will happen? What will Allah do? So Allah answers this in one of the most beautiful, you know, phrases of Quran: Subhanallah, Allah Akbar. Who and who is it? Which being is there? What power is there? What entity is there who can forgive sins except for Allah? And it, I, what is, it's hard to explain. This is a way, a phrase, an expression to say Allah Ta'ala definitely is going to forgive their sins. Hmm? So you know when you when the child goes to say, who else will you turn to except your mother? But what it means is come to me and I'll hug you and everything will be fine. Alright. So first thing they remembered Allah Ta'ala, Zakarullah. Second, they made istighfar. Third, walam yusirru alama fa'alu. They do not persist and continue to do the sins. They don't repeat the sins in the future that they had committed. Bahum yatlamun while knowing, all the while knowing that what what they did in the past and knowing that this is a sin and know and still knowing all that they deliberately keep doing it. No, they don't do that. Lam, they don't do that. But that's it. They became muttaqin. This is the way the sinners become muttaqin. These are those people that their jaza, their recompense, you can even say the reward, is a maghfira, is a complete and absolute atonement and forgiveness and salvation from their rub. They may not get it from creation. Maghfira is never from creation. Maghfira is from rub. وَجَنَّاتٌ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Creation, you can talk about, they will waive uh, their hukuk, they will forgive their hukuk, they will forgive you for violating the hukuk. But the absolute word maghfira is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from their Rabb.
What Jannatun Tajim in Tahti Al Anharan, they will have the Jannat. Remember, Uddat Al Muttakin, they will have Jannat, gardens underneath which uh, streams flow. Khalidina Fiha, they will dwell there in forever. Wanema Ajrul Amilin, this is also the Ulama Tasir said it's Ajib. And how wonderful is the reward of the Amilin? Amilin means those who do a lot of A'mal Saleh. But there's no mention of that here anywhere. They actually did a sin. Yes, and then they remembered Allah Ta'ala, they sought forgiveness, they never repeated it again. And Allah Ta'ala's talking about them as if they're amilin, as if they're people who did a'mal as-salih. Why? Because elsewhere Allah Ta'ala said in Quran al-Kareem that He is the one who can change your sayyat into hasanat. He can change your sins into good deeds. So when a person had done a lot of sins, but they were mu'mineen, they did a lot of sins, but they asked Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness and they never repeated it, Allah Ta'ala changes their, forgives them, He enters them into Jannah, they live in Jannah forever, and He describes them in Quran al-Kareem as if they were people who did a lot of a'mal as if they're amilin. Hmm? Allah Akbar. This is a very important passage of Quran Al-Kareem. Alright. This is why Allah subhanahu ta'ala, now I'll just skip one ayam in 138. Allah ta'ala says, that this Quran Al-Kareem is a bayan linnas. Bayan is a clear, absolute, hujja, declarative proof. Linnasi for all of humanity. And is a hidayah and a mo'idha. Mo'idha means a wa'ad, a, a, a something that you can take nasiha and guidance and admonition and warning through lil muttaqeen for the people of taqwa. Wala tahinu, wala tahzanu, and don't be, uh, don't be weakened, don't despair and don't grieve. Wa antum al-a'laun, because indeed you will succeed, you will, uh, you will triumph. In kuntum mu'minin, if indeed you were believers, right? So one, in one sense, it can be going back to other communities who may have hostility, or it can also just mean against your nafs. It can mean in any sense, you will ultimately triumph and be you will be superior if you are indeed mu'minin. All right. Okay, that completes one passage. 140 in the middle, in the middle of verse 140, there's a concept. with tilka nas. So, what Allah Subhanahu is saying in this ayah generally is that Allah Ta'ala alternates. Literally means Allah Ta'ala alternates days. And by ayam, what means Allah Ta'ala alternates days of khair, days of you know joy and happiness, and days of misfortune and trial. Days of health, days of sickness, days of happiness, days of sadness, days of loyalty, days of betrayal, days of friendship, days of enmity. So by ayam, literally it means days, but it means halat, stages, states. And this is the nature of life. No one will always be happy. No one will always be sad. No, right? Allah Subhanahu wa alternates these things, so that Allah Taala can test the believers, can try the believers, and so that Allah Taala may purify the believers. Okay, verse one forty four. Verse one forty four is this famous uh, ayah that is recited and was also, uh, you know, recited by Sayyidina Abu Bakr according to uh, the books of Sira, that by Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But there's also something related to Battle of Uhud, right? Uh, and this was when, I mean, I'll just do that for you, although I haven't been doing that in this series. Uh, and I, I, 
just because of shortage of time, I have not been mentioning to you what we call the Sabab Nazul or Shat Nazul or the historical circumstances of the Sirah, which was the occasion for the revelation of a verse or passage. Because rather, I've been just trying to pluck out the more general, universal, spiritual teachings of these verses. But here, just so you know, what one historical is at the Battle of Uhud, there was a false call went out from the unbelievers that they had uh, killed Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And then some of the believers, they, you know, naturally, their emotion became such that they, you know, got shaken up. And then the tide of the battle turned against them. But obviously, as all of you know, your sirah, that that was a false uh, claim. And secondly, I told you, this is something that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq recited to Sayyidina Umar, when Nabi Karim actually truly did pass away, Right. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ And Muhammad is not other than a Rasul. He's not an angel, he won't live forever. Right? But interestingly here, Allah didn't say human. What Allah means is he's a human. He's nothing other than a human. He will pass away one day. Right? But because all of the Rasul are Anbiya, so it's embedded in this. Right? So again, those of you who remember, Yusul Fiqh, Ibaratun Nas is Rasul. Right? But Dilalatun Nas and Muqtadaun Nas, you can even say, is also Insan. Qad Khalat Min Kablihi Rasul. And many, many messengers have passed away before him. Afa Immata. If the Prophet died, O Kutila, or he was slain and martyred in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Kalaptum, will you turn back? Allah Aqabikum. Would turn, literally means turn back on your heels means will you turn back and renounce your iman will you turn back in the battlefield and go away and look even if you did anyone were they to literally turn back on their heels were they to renounce their deen were they to leave the battlefield they would never they would not never ever harm Allah Ta'ala in the slightest not at all but indeed, Allah SWT will reward the shakirin. And this word is going to come again in the end of the next verse, shakirin. So what does it mean? You do shukr that even you had Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam for one second. We should do so much shukr that we, we have him as a prophet. You know, yes, in emotions we'll say, oh, we wish we could have met him. We wish we were from the Sahaba, right? But we do shukr. That even we got to learn one hadith in our life. We do shukr that even we got to know one sentence of seerah in our life. Even one hadith, one seerah, one iota, one atom, one drop of his nabuwa is an immense favor from Allah SWT to us. Right? And here also, Allah SWT is making it clear that our obedience, our iman, our following the Prophet is for our own benefit. It doesn't benefit Allah SWT anyway. Therefore, our not following Him is going to be to our own harm. It can never harm Allah SWT anyway. Alright. Verse 146 at the end, Allah SWT says, and okay, there were a couple of other things. Let's see, time. Inshallah, I can do this for you. Let's just, let's finish this. Uh, mm, yeah, let's do the next verses. So 145, immediately after this. وَمَا كَانَ لِنَفْسٍ أَنْ تَمُوتَ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ And it is not 
permitted, it's not possible for any person, human soul, that they should die except with the idhan, the permission, the command, the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, kitab mu'ajjala, at a time that is decreed and determined, at a moment that is written, kitab and decreed, mu'ajjala, at a determined time period. وَمَنْ يُرِدْ ثَوَابَ dunya نُتِيهِ minha, And whomsoever wants to spend their life pursuing, desiring, and intending, and seeking the rewards of this world, the fruits of this world, worldly material bounties, Allah says, نُتِيهِ minha. We will give such a person from the bounties of this world. But whomsoever desires and intends and seeks the rewards of the afterlife, we will give them, uh, we will give such a person thereof. Min from the rewards of the Akhirah. And again, this word comes, that does indeed we will uh, reward and recompense the Shakirin, the people of Shukr. Alright? So to be grateful for dunya also means that we seek the Akhirah. To be grateful for Allah's bounties and blessings in this world is to want even more the bounties and blessings for Akhirah. Like if you see in this world, if somebody gives you something small, you're grateful for it, but then you think about getting something more from them, getting something better from them. So this is an aspect of shukr. That indeed, how many were, how many a prophet there was, who fought, Ma'ahu and all the while with that Prophet were Rabbiyuna Kathir, were many, many Rabbiyun. So you have this other word Rabbaniyun, and you have Rabbiyun here. And this is, you know, you can translate this, this is ulama, this is religious scholars, this is pious followers, this is the leaders of their community. And so we realize this that every Nabi had, and the Ummah of every Nabi will have a group of people. That are known as Rabbaniyin, Rabbiyun, Ulama, Uliya, all these words come in Quran al-Karim. And then at the end of this verse, Allah Subhanahu says again, we are verse 146 at the very end, Wallahu yuhibbu sabirin, and Allah Subhanahu deeply, passionately loves as-sabirin, the ones who have endurance, fortitude, perseverance, and patience. Okay, and we explained Sabr earlier on in, the, uh, in one of the earlier sessions. وَمَا كَانَ قَوْلُهُمْ إِلَّا أَنْ And this is now dua. رَبَّنَا غْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَإِسْرَافَنَا They say, O oh, our Rabb, forgive us for our sins. وَإِسْرَافَنَا And our transgressions, our excesses. فِي أَمْرِنَا All the excesses that we had in our affairs. وَثَبِّتْ أَقْدَامَنَا And make us steadfast on deen. Literally make our feet firm. Make us steadfast on deen. وَانْصُرْنَا أَلَّقَوْمِ الْكَافِرِينَ And help us and grant us succor and grant us victory on the community of the disbelievers who are oppressing us. All right. فَأَتَاهُمَ اللَّهُ ثَوَابَ الدُّنْيَا وَحُسْنَ ثَوَابِ الْآخِرَةِ And I was responsible to upon them the word of this world and the most noble future support of the hereafter. وَلَاوْ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ So earlier we had وَلَاوْ يُحِبُّ الصَّابِرِينَ Now we have وَلَاوْ يُحِبُّ الْمُحْسِنِينَ So when they persevered, they persevered, they persevered, they made the dua, they keep asking Allah for forgiveness of sins, they keep asking Allah for, for, to forgive their excesses in their worldly manners. Ultimately then they go from sabrin to becoming muhsineen. And Allah Allah loves the people of Esan. 
skip a little bit and now verse 150 but no indeed Allah Ta'ala is your mawla he is your protector your guardian your your caretaker and he is the best of any and all who could ever help you and if you look at verse 152 now at the very end Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says fadlan al-mu'minin that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a being of tremendous grace and favor which he showers upon the mu'minin the believers go ahead now to verse 159 rahmatin so here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking directly to Nabi Akrim so it's addressed again as the first person it's a singular plural uh, and Allah Ta'ala is addressing Nabi sorry not singular plural singular uh, second person uh, Allah Ta'ala is addressing Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam it is only and only due to the rahmah the mercy min Allahi from that came from on the behalf of from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi wa Wasallam were gentle with them. We're gentle with them. Alright? And this is the nature. The Nabi Kareem Sallallahu had a gentle, lenient, soft hearted, tender, kind, forgiving nature and his character and he behaviored like that as well. It's not just having it in your nature and character, it also has to come out in your behavior, in your interactions, in your interrelations. And so this is a sunnah. Yes, that sunnah obviously was bestowed by Allah Ta'ala on the Prophet Sallallahu out of Allah Ta'ala's mercy. But this is the sunnah. So that means all of us also should try. No doubt there are moments and occasions in life when a person should be stern and say, Now Rasulullah, he some had such moments and occasions in his life. But the inherent is to be layin, alright? To be soft, tender, gentle, loving, affectionate, kind. Alright? And this is how Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was obviously with the Sahaba Kiram radiallahu ta'ala an majmain with his companions and his beloved friends. Then <coughs> Allah is like if we hadn't done this, if you had been you know, I'm just translating it, if you had been rude and hard-hearted with them. Ghaliza means very stern and harsh-hearted with them. min They would have scattered and fleed and dispersed from away from you. So this is also Allah Ta'ala teaching that for any leader, even the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Ta'ala saying that if you had been harsh, it's, it's not stern, it's very harsh, right? Fazan is rude outright. And Ghalid al-Kalbi is basically unforgiving, harsh, crude. So any leader who is like that, even the best of people like Sahabi Ikram will flee and disperse and spread from them. Here, Fafu Anhum, therefore you should pardon them. And there's a whole historical, but I'm not getting into that right now. Uh, but this is those, you know, if you know your story, well, you know what this is about, right? There was a group that didn't listen to the initial order, but because they had made a mistake in judgment on battlefield tactics. Was Lahum, and you should ask Allah to forgive them. And then third, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ And again bring them close to you and take mushawara, consult them amri in your matter, in the matter, in affair of governance of deen and strategy as you did before. 
It means reconcile completely with them. So you are by your virtue and nature and character and behavior soft and tender because Allah created you that way out of His mercy. Second, you should you should pardon them, you should ask Allah to forgive them and you should again bring them back into the, your inner circle and do mashawara and consult them. And whenever you, Prophet decide something, that you should trust and rely and depend on Allah SWT. So we have a series here. Yuhibbul Sabreen, Yuhibbul Musaleen, Yuhibbul Mutawakkileen has come. And this is a teaching for us as well. That when we make a decision, we should not second guess. We should not constantly have self-doubt. And this was also, you know, if you remember the historical circumstances, this is Allah talking about major decisions. And I think the more major decision that you have and the more people it might affect, there's a greater tendency to fall into this uh, self-doubt. Second guessing. But Allah is teaching us know that you must make the decision when after mushawara, after consultation, istikhara, asking Allah Ta'ala, praying to Allah to put khair in your decision, after looking at all the hidayah and with the guidance of the Quran, Sunnah and Shriya on this matter, having ikhlas and sincerity in your heart. When you do these four things, ikhlas, the hidayah of deen, ikhlas in your heart, istikhara, Mushawara from creation and istikhara seeking help from Allah Ta'ala. Then you do an azam, you come up with a firm decision, then you should just after that do tawakkal on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Allah yuhibbul mutawakkileen. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people of tawakkal. Last thing I think we will do for today is verse 164. Yeah. So this is a. Uh, uh, Again, a very famous verse of Quran. Certainly, indeed, verily, Allah subhanahu wa He sent His bestowed and astounding favor and grace and blessing upon all the believers when he Allah Ta'ala raised from amongst them Rasulam min anfusihim a messenger a prophet from their own midst from their own selves and what did that prophet do yatu alayhim ayatihi that prophet recited to those believers the verses of Allah Ta'ala's scriptural revelation this is the first function of Nabuwa. Second, well, you him, and he purified them. He purified their character. He made them beings of virtue. And by the way, this ayah is also telling you the sha'an of Sahaba. Because Allah Ta'ala is saying in Quran Kareem that this is what Sayyidina Rasulullah did. Then surely he did it. So that means Sahaba Ikram are those human beings who Sayyidina Rasulullah necessarily definitely did tazkiyah of them. So they are truly have been purified in their virtue and character. So that for anybody who casts an aspersion, let alone enmity and naudhu billah, even trying to do takfir of Sahaba Ikram is completely against Quran al and is astray.
Number three, Not only did he recite the Quran, the Prophet also explains, teaches, kitab, And that's very important, that Quranic recitation alone is not enough, you need ta'lim. Even a Sahabi who is fluent in the dialect of Quraysh in pure pristine Arabic and therefore can understand, like people maybe think that they can understand through English or Urdu translation, right? Even that Sahabi needs talim from Rasulullah So we must know that our interaction with the Quran is not just recitation and translation. There must be ta'lim. For ta'lim, there's a mu'allim and a muta'allim. There must be a teacher, a scholar, a tafsir. And there must be somebody who learns that. And the Prophet taught them hikmah, which is the sunnah, the wisdom of how to live one's life. And indeed, prior to this, the believers were in manifest clear. Uh, the, the, prior to the Prophet, the pre Islamic Arabia, uh, people were in pure, um, clear, manifest, evident error. And so Sayyidina Rasulullah teachings. It's the same for us, that before we follow these teachings, before we follow the teachings of the recited revelation, the teachings of tazkiyah, purification, the, the ta'limat, the meanings and explanations of Qur'an, and the hikmah, the meanings and explanations from the seerah and sunnah, until we have all of these four things in our life, and in our practice, and in our hearts, and in our character, we will remain on the Lalim Mubin, you will remain in clear manifest error. So we make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to learn all of these different aspects of deen so we can meet to the true followers of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa akhirun da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbin alameen.